The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, in for Susan Littlefield. Talking to trade with us today is Arlen Suderman of INTLFC Stone. Arlen, thanks again for joining us today as we get started. The day before Thanksgiving, a little bit of a slower trade day here for our grains. We end up mixed, but soybeans able to regain a little bit more of that loss that they saw from Monday. Oh, they certainly have. I wouldn't read too much into it, and I don't want to sound negative or anything, but uh, the speculative hedge funds had built large short or sold positions in the soybean market. We're coming up to a holiday weekend. Many traders will be absent on Friday as well. Uh, the world markets will continue. This is a U.S. holiday, not a world holiday. And so that means the news cycle will continue. And that means the talks, trade talks between the United States and China may continue. And so if you're holding a large short position and there happens to be a trade deal over the holiday weekend and you're caught short and not able to unwind it, uh, you're in trouble. And so I think we saw some uh, traders over the last two days really exiting those short positions just in case there is a trade deal. I don't expect one over the weekend, but just in case there are, uh, some traders are unwinding some positions. And I think that's where most of the strength came from in the soybean uh, pits over the last couple of days. When you're looking at the soybean chart, there seems to be somewhat of a technical formation going uh, from what the research I've done, what they call a corkscrew, where we start to fall inside these trading ranges, kind of a week-after-week type setup. Arlen, what does that mean for possible future trade here? Yeah, this has been uh, kind of developing over the last several months, and that's when uh, the prices trade up and down within a range, but over time that range gets narrower and narrower. Uh, it was, uh, oh, a couple of months ago that range was maybe a dollar in spread. Now it's down to about 50 cents, kind of between eight. Well, actually, closer to thirty cents between now eight seventy and nine dollars for the lead January contract, and and when you get that kind of formation, uh, what that typically is signifies is some pent up energy kind of building up, mounting up, but it doesn't know which direction to go. Everyone feels like okay, this market's going to move, but which direction? So it's waiting for a news event to kind of drive the direction. Well, timing wise. We could look to the trade talks with China and uh, the self-imposed deadline that President Trump put on China saying that uh, he was going to put tariffs on the remaining products coming from China to the United States in early December if there is not a deal or substantial progress toward a deal by the time he has dinner with President Xi of China on the sidelines of the G20 meeting in Buenos Aires uh, a week from Friday on November 30th. And so as that approaches, these markets are kind of tightening up, particularly soybeans, because they have most at stake. And if there's an agreement, we would expect a, an explosion of prices upward uh, caused two, by two things. One, speculative hedge funds unwinding short positions. And second of all, our soybeans are so much cheaper than Brazil, you can anticipate that immediately we would see Chinese feed buyers trying to call suppliers here in the United States and buy as much as possible before that gap narrows. Now, that would happen pretty fast. 
There will be a lot of farmer soybeans being sold on that rally, but no one wants to be caught short in that situation. If there is no trade deal and no sign of a trade deal imminent, then we could see a break in the other direction as the market says, oh my goodness, we have almost a billion bushel carryover in soybeans. We have good condi- growing conditions in South America. It looks like they're going to grow another record crop down there. We have to go lower to discourage acres in 2019. That's Those are the two forces now starting to close in on this soybean market here over the next couple of weeks. Talking about the acreage that we could be coming up to see and if corn will take back some of these soybean acres, kind of interesting, when you look at November 19 and December 19 contracts, respectively, of soybeans and corn, that ratio is actually somewhat indicative to support maybe soybean acres coming back. Well, certainly it'd be easy to see that, and bankers would love to see that happen because it means lower input costs and lower um, operating loans at a time when uh, farm country is starting to uh, get financially strapped. And farmers don't like to change their uh, uh, rotations too much. They'd like to keep those rotations the way they are. Um, But the job of the marketplace is going to be to try to get rid of this big surplus of soybeans, particularly if we do have a bumper crop in South America, as it now appears. Uh, And and frankly, I need to say we'd probably be having prices down these levels if there were no trade war with China because of the large surplus we have. Uh, The question now is, with the trade war, that doesn't help matters at all. Uh, And uh, so how long is this going to last? Does this mean that we're seeing a longer-term shift of demand to South America? I think the trend was happening anyway, but regardless, the market needs to have fewer soybean acres. Is it going to discourage those in north of the equator or south of the equator? The next opportunity it has is going to be north of the equator in the United States. And uh, so it needs to make sure that it gets soybean prices low enough relative to corn to make sure it doesn't happen. Arlen, we have time for just one last quick question. Where could we possibly find support on these wheat charts? Well, when we look at the Kansas City uh, contract, it's been a little bit disappointing because we thought we had some good support up here about uh, $0.25 cents above where we're trading at now, and that kind of broke down among all the negativity we're seeing in the broader markets. <clears throat> so we should find support in here pretty shortly. I think we're going to see shipments out of the Black Sea tighten up uh, starting in January and beyond, and so we should start seeing uh, U.S. prices start to firm in the month of December. That's Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. We've got livestock and more market commentary coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield. We're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone, focusing on grains in our last segment. Arlen, let's switch gears now and go to Livestock, where we had a cattle on feed report out, one of the few that's actually released during trading hours and was positive for cattle. 
Uh, it really was. And we've had such a string here over the last year of uh, reports that came in bearish, and, and this was one of the exceptions with on-feed numbers at 103.2% a year ago, uh, a little better and a point below what the trade expected. Placements during the month of October at 93.9% a year ago levels. The trade was looking for 99.1%. Uh, marketings were stronger as well. So a positive number, and uh, it didn't take long at all for the cattle market to respond. As you said, usually these reports come out after trading is closed because of the holiday. This one came out during trading, and the market was able to respond to that. The hogs not really reacting too much to a bullish cattle market. Is this maybe showing some underlying support for the lean hog contracts to move higher? Well, the general thinking in the hog market and, and why we've added is if we look at this uh, April, excuse me, December contract, we've added about $15 to a net here over the last several months is the expectation that African swine fever is going to decimate enough of the Chinese swine herd that they're going to have to import a significant amount of pork and the U.S. market will benefit from that. Even if China doesn't buy from us, they'll buy from our competitors sending their customers to us. And so that's been built in. It hasn't really happened yet. We don't expect it to happen before sometime next year, but the market's built this big premium in there already. Now we're looking at basically record hog production right now. We've probably got another month or so of big production numbers, the slaughtering around 2.6 million head per week or more. So we're pumping a lot of numbers out. The encouraging thing is today's cold storage report that also came out during trading hours showing some of the cats um, with favorable drawdowns or, or less builds than what we normally have this time of year, others a little bit more. So I would call it a mixed report, but overall I call that positive that with the big slaughters that we're not really building up supplies overall. And... Um, that uh, demand is absorbing much of it. Cattle, cold storage report over beef, I would say, was pretty neutral as well. So with production doing what it's doing, uh, I think there was a little bit of fear things could have been worse. When you look at this hog market, we did pull back a little bit today because, frankly, the board has, I think, gotten a little bit of ahead of itself with these big slaughter numbers. And... Uh, particularly with some of the weakness in the economy. We're seeing some of the numbers, uh, a little bit of hesitation there. With the general economy, Arlen, the past couple of days we've seen major pullbacks in the outside markets, especially in those U.S. equities like the Dow and the S&P 500. Where is the U.S. economy right now, and how does this factor in for, for ag producers? Well, we're really wrapping up with third quarter earnings seasons right now. So corporations reporting the third quarter earnings, and those earnings have been fantastic. If you look at the S&P 500 corporations, we're dealing with earnings that are basically around 28% above year-ago levels. I think all of us would like to have that kind of earnings to up 28% over the previous year. Um, warnings about the tariffs. Uh, hurting them were present, but in smaller incidents than what we saw in the second quarter reports. But yet there's still a fear out there that we're at peak earnings right now, that it, this is as good as it gets and it's going to start turn lower. And that fear is turned into something that uh, makes traders reluctant to really maintain ownership of stocks right now, particularly with interest rates 
working higher overall. They've come back of late, but working higher overall, the more risk-adverse investor has alternatives for their money and putting money in government securities versus the higher-risk stock market is what they would perceive. So that's pulling some money out of stocks. When we look at the healthy economy, it is good. It looks like we had a robust year. We'll probably have a strong GDP growth in the fourth quarter as well, but then starts to moderate from that level, and that's what the stock market is, is pricing in right now. The fear is that if the trade war with China goes too long, that we'll see the Chinese and European economies really start to slow down and pull down the world economy and the U.S. economy not being as strong, not able to hold it up. And in the end, that means reduced demand for commodities. So that's the fear. So that's the thinking by which the funds make their decisions about the commodities. If we look at the commodity sector as a whole, the funds have been tending to liquidate, but this fall, during the summer, they were liquidating the ags, and I know to the farmer it looks like they're liquidating the grains as well, but they really haven't been uh, like they could. They've been liquidating the energies, and the ags overall have been holding up, and the ags I'm, I include in there, the grains and the livestock. So overall, they're keeping an eye on it, and that's keeping the money flow kind of cautious. Again, we've been talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone, here on the Fontenelle final bell covering a wide range of topics of course catch fontanel final bell anytime at ruralradio.com as a podcast you're listening to the rural radio network you're listening to the rural radio network